to the Profit Powerhouse Podcast, the ultimate resource for business success and growth. I'm your host, Glenn Poulos, and I'm thrilled to be joining you on this exciting journey. Currently, I hold the position of VP and GM of NWS Canada. Additionally, I take pride in being the author of the critically acclaimed book, Never Sit in the Lobby. Throughout this podcast, my mission is crystal clear, to equip you with the strategies and insights you need to not only establish a strong presence in front of your clients, but also to take meaningful action and maintain that position. After all, being a pleasure to do business with is the key to fostering lasting connections in the corporate world. Together, we'll explore the art of not just building a successful and profitable company, but also cultivating a high-performing team that's capable of achieving remarkable results. Whether you're an aspiring entrepreneur, a seasoned business professional, or anyone looking to excel in the world of commerce, this podcast is tailored to help you thrive. If you're eager to be part of the conversation, I encourage you to visit my website, navigate to the podcast section where you can sign up and stay updated and participate in the show. Our episodes typically run for a duration of 30 to 40 minutes, ensuring you get a compact yet insightful dose of valuable information. So get ready to unleash your profit powerhouse potential. Join me on this podcast as we delve into the strategies, stories, and secrets that will drive your success. Remember, your journey to becoming an influential person and prosperous business leader starts right now. Welcome, everyone, to another captivating episode of the Profit Powerhouse Podcast, where we engage with inspiring individuals who have charted remarkable paths in the world of business and entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Glenn Poulos, and today we have a true powerhouse with us who has worn many hats and achieved incredible success along the way. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm thrilled to introduce you to Kristen Ostrander, a multi-talented entrepreneur, speaker, author, and Amazon FBA business owner. She's not just a business owner, she's a wholesale bundle strategist, sorry, and as she's affectionately known, the bundle queen, which I'm sure we'll be hearing all about. So uh, welcome, Kristen, to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're welcome. It's great to have you here. So why don't we start with the easy stuff? What, you know, uh, you know, how did you get to where you are today? Maybe a little bit on your background, where you started, and um, you know, and then we can dive into some other questions. So, certainly. So, well, uh, you know, becoming an entrepreneur was, I think, just always in me. So, I've always. Um, used ways to be able to kind of earn some extra income on the side we came from i came from a single parent family where uh, my dad raised us and my sister and i in the 80s and just money was scarce and so we were always looking for ways to um kind of make some extra money to you know go do fun things and things like that i think just came from um you know necessity i guess it's just saying hey this is all there is and these are all the resources we have so if you want to make something you gotta you gotta do it yourself and i think that just came from a very young age um and kind of uh, then I, I married what I would consider my high school sweetheart. He was a little bit older, but I was just out of high school and got married there and had a family right away. And that proposed some some financial difficulty at times. My husband is in commercial construction, uh, which is always kind of a feast or famine style of business. It's just uh, especially living in southeast Michigan, uh, their weather is always a factor. And sometimes we're just yeah, not no building uh, during those winter months. And so um, that that entrepreneurship in it, it was kind of tucked down into my soul there, uh, kind of came back up there when I thought I want to be able to stay at home with my kids and be there for them when they're young and, and raise them in, in such a way that I saw fit. But I also needed to bring in some income. 
there was just times where it was hard and we both had to be working and doing something. And so um, I chose to really dive into entrepreneurship and I started selling some items on eBay, you know, back in the day, back in 2003, um, I sold my first item on eBay and I realized I could do this in my own time that I really had a knack for actually just selling some of my children's items so that I could kind of buy them the next toy or the next size or, you know, the next pair of shoes that they needed uh, and realized that there was actually some, some decent money to be made doing that. And so my journey kind of started with with doing some eBay stuff. And as I saw that grow and actually really uh, work really well for the flexible lifestyle that I needed, um, I really enjoyed it. And so I kept pursuing that. And then Amazon FBA kind of came into came into its own and we started learning that you could sell things not only at, uh, on Amazon that that weren't on eBay. And at first they were really just books, but then they opened up the world to, hey, we're the everything store and um, kind of jumped in since, since then doing Amazon FBA. Wow. And what, what, where was the, what was the moment that allowed you or gave the inspiration to create the sort of uh, the bundle queen, uh, you know, name for yourself and what is, what's all, what's that all about? Just that. Sure, sure. So, so when you do Amazon FBA, there, there's multiple business models on Amazon. Um, a lot of people, um, maybe I mean, I'll educate a little bit here on some of the different business models. And, uh, one of the things that people get into as a kind of entry level on Amazon, which is what I was doing is, is retail arbitrage. So really going, I started going to, um, you know, library book sales and garage sales and, you know, thrift stores and buying books at first. I was, you know, scanning barcodes on books and seeing if they would sell on Amazon, looking at a price discrepancy. So I'd be hunting and gathering my inventory, if you will, with retail arbitrage. And then, you know, the next natural step is to go to wholesale, realizing, hey, I can actually buy inventory just like stores do and sell it online. So that kind of seems a little bit revolutionary when you're a small business that's working from home thinking I could have an online store and actually get wholesale prices just like Target or Walmart or somewhere else. Um, the problem I found with that was that the margins were way thinner than I had yeah. originally expected. I think a lot of people have this expectation that when you get some wholesale, it's at least 50% off the shelf price that you see. And right. unfortunately, that is just a myth. It's honestly your your grocery stores and your places like Target and even Home Depot, they run on very thin margins. They just sell millions of products. So if you're making, you know, even a dollar on everything that you sell and you sell millions of products a day, you know, you can do the math there. So, <laughs> yeah. so we had this expectation that, oh my gosh, we're going to get into wholesale and, you know, it's going to be the, the pay dirt that we're looking for, you know, that sort of thing. And we were unpleasantly surprised that we found that the margins were extremely thin, sometimes running on 20%. Um, I realized with online fees and shipping and everything else that that was going to be a problem. And so everyone else was at the time, everyone else was like, oh, private labeling and creating your own product and inventing your own product is going to that's the holy grail of, of online e-commerce. Right. If you, you know, break through and you can be the next Nike and, you know, make make your own brand. So, of course, we tried that, too. We're thinking, OK, this must be the path. This is the, you know, the hierarchy of, of owning your own brand. And um, we kind of went down that that uh, road for a time and it was very long and very expensive and uh, didn't prove to be the holy grail that everyone thought they were. But there was some benefits to all of these different business models. And so as I saw that over several years of trying and and trying to, you know, work through the system and figure out what was going to be the most profitable for the business, I realized that a combination of wholesaling and private labeling was was more going to be for me. 
is you get the benefits of of doing that. And that's what the bundles are on Amazon. I teach wholesale bundling and it's a system that I've created myself um, as a hybrid between wholesale and private label. Cause those are the top two business models that when you really meet them together um, have the highest available uh, benefit for you. So if you create your own brand and you're kind of going in that direction, um, there's a lot of pitfalls and problems. It can be expensive and long and it takes like every single thing you've got to wear. Wholesale, the thin margins don't really make you a lot of money, but there's plenty of products. So marrying the two together really is what I found to make um, make so, the most money the most efficiently. <laughs> yeah. So just to catch us up and then and then uh, give yourself a breath. So um, the the wholesaling obviously is buying in bulk. You know, you're buying bulk from a from a supplier of either a wholesale distributor or the manufacturer directly. And the private label is taking a product which is which is made, and then you put your own brand name on it, right? Mm -hmm. And so the bundling is you're saying it's a combination of the private labeling and the and the wholesaling. Is that right so far? Yes, and okay. actually. If, if the one of the best ways to describe it would be would be considered like a gift box or a gift uh, basket you're okay. not really you're not necessarily reinventing every single thing that's in there but you might do a spa gift set where you're using maybe your own brand of lotion uh, but then okay. you're using that's a couple other pro products from other yeah. companies so you're not making and manufacturing and reinventing all these things you're ordering from them but then the actual product you sell is a bundle or a combination of products that kind of all work together and go together so that doesn't have to be a gift set it could be something like another thing we sell is like a, a guitar a beginning guitar bundle where you get a beginner's guitar and you get a pick and a strap and a and a you know everything else and it comes in a case you know to where you might have to buy all these things separately normally right. and we put it kind of in a bundle for for the customers so that they can buy with less clicks and less packaging and just kind of bring it all together yeah wow that's really cool <laughs> and um now do you do you use like a software system to monitor and, and control all this or do you do it kind of the old-fashioned way like i mean keeping track of where all the different suppliers are because if you sell out and you have to restock and i mean i would imagine there's a fair mm -hmm. bit of supply chain logistics involved in this so how Certainly. do you manage that and, uh, very carefully <laughs> um yeah. well we use a combination of things first of all we don't do anything in-house anymore we used to and that just took over our home and took over our garage and we realized we needed a third party to kind of help us receive and, and pack and ship the inventory um, because when you pack and ship inventory to amazon you are actually pre-packing it all sending it to amazon and then amazon holds it in their warehouse until somebody purchases it and they distribute um and so we actually use a third party warehouse where we order all of our supplies to them they all of our suppliers and all of our items to them then they take our items and package them in our custom packaging and send them off to amazon on our behalf so that's in the amazon world it's called a prep center and so we use a prep center to kind of manage all those things and between spreadsheets and amazon software um it's it's a pretty well-oiled wow. machine it is man. wow okay that's cool um little little uh switching the conversation so i noticed as well that you do a podcast the amazon files is that right i do so I what do. what's the the legacy of the, like when did that start and um you know and what are some of the the key takeaways your listeners can get from your from listening to your podcast yeah so the podcast is called the amazon files and i've been doing live episode i did live episodes for about three years uh since 2014 and then we switched over to kind of a pre-recorded podcast model we do video and audio um and it's a combination of uh, my expertise and some you know inspiration and motivation along with some amazing guests that come and, and really dive deep into their expertise it's really learning how to be an entrepreneur and 
how to be an e-commerce seller on Amazon. Um, all the different pitfalls that you might happen, some some issues and fixing. I mean, we, we go everything from how-tos to um, kind of pulling you up when you're really feeling defeated because in any entrepreneurship, that's always going to happen. And so we're we're 523 episodes in uh, wow. already, and it's been it's been uh, quite the journey here. We've been yeah. nine years of podcasting. Wow, that's um, that's something to be. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a long legacy to follow. I mean, there's a lot of people in podcasting now, but not a lot of them that are people that have been in it for nine years. So congratulations mm. on that. So. So, you know, when, when people interview me on podcasts, there, there's a few uh, challenging moments in my career, which uh, I won't distract from, from this episode, but they're often, people always go to them, they want me to tell these stories. I noticed you you had talked about uh, something challenging, you know, foreclosing, foreclosing on your first home or something mm. in your bio. And, you know, that's definitely a challenging experience. So how did you uh, overcome that? And, and what lessons did you le- learn and from the adversity and what, what you might pass on to a younger younger listener from the challenges that undoubtedly come in many forms and flavors uh, in life. Yeah. Gosh, well, a little bit of backstory on that. Um, You know, as we were, you know, I was growing my Amazon business and raising my children. And a week after my third child was born, my husband came home with a work injury. And um, he wasn't able to work and he had to go through physical therapy and surgeries and um, get that shoulder repaired. In the meantime, my business wasn't quite enough to, to... I'm sorry, I'm like losing my words here, um, to support a family of five. And so we, you know, it was like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? And through all that, we ended up losing our home to foreclosure and becoming, you know, miles and miles in debt. And it was, it was just a tor- terrible time, but realizing that we also could learn from that. And we could build that back up. So we did everything we could to ramp up the business. Well, he wasn't, um, he was work, helping work with me. It was totally out of his comfort zone um, as being like just in commercial construction and always working with his hands and busy uh, was a little bit different. But he, um, during that time, was able to learn a little bit about the business and kind of help and support that. So that was our only bread and butter at the time. And as we learned to grow, we just did very, it was very small steps. I think so many people have these big, huge, lofty goals. They're like, oh, I want to make $10 million or, you know, have all these things. And I I am not opposed to that. I love goals and I love, you know, shooting for the stars and everything. But what I found in those moments, especially when you're facing total financial ruin and total foreclosure, you realize you have nothing left, that it's so much easier to just shine the light on the very next step, one step at a time and saying, okay, instead of making the next a million dollars, how about I make 50? <laughs> what can yeah. I do? What are the steps that I need to take to make the next $50? And so I really restructured all of my life and thinking based on what is just the very next step that I can take? First of all, defining where you want to go. That's really important. Before you start making steps and taking steps in any direction, you need to know and define your direction. So in my book, I talk about um, about how you choose and how you define your in a perfect world is what I call it. Because, you know, it's just, and there's no such thing as a perfect world, but if you could design it, what would it look like? And then what is the very next thing that you can do today and tomorrow and the next day to make those small steps and just close the gap? Because so many people are like, I'm here and I want to be here and the gap's just too big. And they either sit on the fence over here as, woe is me, I'm never going to do anything. Or they, they go so gung-ho and expect everything to go in a straight line that they somewhere fall off a cliff before they get to that goal. And so I feel like um, stepping really small and just making constant small wins can help to make much more progress than making excuses. Yeah, that's that's a real incredible story of resiliency. And um, 
mo- I find most entrepreneurs have some element of that in their career. It's definitely not a linear journey from <laughs> from zero to ten million, like you say. And so the the way is often fraught with uh, ups and downs, and you know, and it's about being able to manage your business during the times of you know crisis as well as the times of plenty, right? And mm-hmm. um, the um, you know, when you talk, you mentioned the word steps a lot, several times there, and um, you know, uh, people have often asked me about you know about what what to do to take steps to become an entrepreneur. But like you were saying, it's what uh, what I find most important is taking that first step, just taking the step, and having confidence in yourself that you can take a step after that. But not worry so much about steps four and five. Just take that first step, and you know, make that leap of faith, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and not focus on on the higher lofty goals too soon, right? And um, baby steps, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. So that's really uh, really good advice. So the um, you know what sort of trends are you seeing in e-commerce? You've been in it for you know uh, quite a while. I think what, when was the first you said was it in the early 2000s? I think. Yeah, yeah. I sold my first item in 2003. So. 2003, so 20 years in the in yeah. the e-commerce business. That that's that's yeah. amazing. So what are you sort of seeing today in e-commerce? Like, is there um you know, to stay ahead of the curve or what trends or shifts are you seeing on the horizon, either for Amazon or just online in general? Are you seeing any? Uh, and of course, obviously, AI must be having some impact on the way you do things. So I don't know what what's what's new in the game these days. You know, I think that there's there's been some shifts, especially since the pandemic. Um, uh, online shopping and online um, e-commerce is not has been steadily growing year over year, even, you know, it skyrocketed even still through the pandemic. Um, and it's kind of leveled back out to where it normally was in its growth curve. Um, but the reality is online shopping is only growing and growing bigger. And the reason is the the trend that's even the more reason is as the more the generations are coming up behind us they're growing up in an era where that's normal and and an everyday thing to where a lot of us that i would say are are born pre-internet um (laughs) that we had to learn into that that was something new that changed and over many decades we got used to online shopping being real to where the next generation is growing up in it and so the shifts and changes that I've been seeing specifically in the past um, three to five years has been the shift from, well, well, a lot of these people are growing up with, with online shopping now. It's not new. So now they're looking for a different experience. And I think with the word, it's the experience. They want to see products. They want to not just go into a store and see them, but they want to see them. How is it being used? They like the influencers showing them, this is a product I love, and this is why I love it. And this is why it's high quality. They like um, personal reviews. So that that's something that's definitely been trending and and shifting in e-commerce. But another shift I've seen is actually shifting a little bit uh, away from some of the bigger retailers where people are starting to go back towards niche items, items that are very specific and going back to websites that cater to their specific needs. So if you're a guitar player, then you're going to go, you know, not necessarily to Amazon to buy all of your items, but you're going to seek out some specialty um, shops, something, a place like Sweetwater or, or you know, another right. even website that has something special because they're catering more um towards content-based marketing and content-based, not just here's a bunch of products that we have and good luck with that, but they want, people want to see and hear and feel and have an experience. And I think that that's going to be kind of the new wave of of e-commerce as we know it is 
a, a way to stand out and give a little bit more of personal attention, even though right. it's online. I think the next generation is going to be really looking for more of an experiential buying experience rather than just, hey, let me buy stuff off of the digital shelf or even regular shelf and move on with life. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. The um, Yeah. And I mean, I do find myself doing that, that bad as well and seeking out the specialty shop because I want to I want to see a variety of the same thing, not just one. And I want to, and I want to be able to, you know, sort of either FAQ or talk to someone there about, um, I do actually some music things in the background. So the Sweetwater stuff resonates with me. And I mean, I want to be able to talk to one of their, their specialists on the products. Right. And on the big, you know, the big box retailer, that's just, those people just aren't available. Right. Mm. And uh, I mean, big shout out to Sweetwater. They're an amazing company with amazing customer service, which is why I continually shop there and go there for that. I mean, Amazon probably has most of what they have, but they don't have the service and the care and they have an excellent newsletter that they send out that you can get educated on music and sound engineering. And I mean, I'm into that obviously, but um, the, the customer service and the experience I've had with them is, is, outweighs how much you know shifting prices like okay maybe it's 50 more dollars or maybe it's not maybe it's the same price but over there i'm getting more customer experience and customer service which makes you feel valued and when you feel valued you go back for more exactly exactly yeah so um so i mean clearly your your journey is marked by determination and, and making an impact and things like that so how do you approach things like mentoring or giving back to the either entrepreneurial community or just the community in general? How do you approach that in your day to day? Oh, I feel like my podcast is a great way to do that. I'm always um, interviewing other people and giving different perspectives. And, you know, one of the ways that I do that the most is being brutally honest. Most people, you know, there's a lot, they just, they need to hear the truth, even if it doesn't sound pretty. And I know I have definitely been slammed by other people or gurus or other people in the space saying, you know, you're not going to get that much business if you tell people that Amazon's not the greatest to work with. <laughs> I'm like, <Right>. well, <laughs> I understand that. But also I can say this is where they're a pain to work with. However, this is how you can work with them and still, you know, stay above board and, you know, adhere to policies. So, um, that's just honesty is the best policy for me. I, I feel like I need to show up authentically. I need to understand and people need to understand that there there, there are going to be troubles. This is not a straight line. It's not all sunshines and rainbows. As a matter of fact, sometimes it's harder on most days and it's easier. Um, but what your purpose is and what your focus is and what you are, everything has a cost. And it depends on what you're willing to pay and for what. And when I say cost, it could be your time, your energy, your focus, the ability to use your skills, the ability to be valued. I mean, if you're not valued at your work and at your job and your boss is constantly ridiculing you, uh, what does it really cost you to, to leave that job? It actually, you know, it gives you back your peace. So, right. you know, things like that, I just try to point out and, and talk about those things and keep discussions open because there's there are a lot of confused and and frustrated people in the world and they just need a little bit of honesty and then a little bit of uh, i call it a hug and a slug that's what i do i'm like i'm gonna slug you with the truth but then i'm gonna hug you and give you a parachute so that we don't leave you behind um because the truth is important but also so are the solutions yeah when it comes to honesty i always i always say that to me honesty is truth combined with kindness like you can be brutally honest but you don't have to say it you can say it in a way that combines the truth but with some kindness at the same time absolutely Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, yeah, because oftentimes that's what we need to hear. But, you know, you want to you also want to hear in a way where there's, you know, 
you've taken some time to feel some empathy towards the person and yeah. or and express some sympathy in what in the way you deliver the message right so yeah, absolutely. Uh, but yeah i totally agree with you on that 100 percent. so so one thing i know you know, probably you can relate to is entrepreneurs you know uh trying to do the work-life balance thing right and i mean i know you've moved the products out of your out of your garage and into a warehouse and stuff but i'm I think you drive the business from your home, right? So how, <laughs> how do you maintain your work-life balance? And uh, you must have developed a system for that being that you're at home, you're only a few feet away from your business at any moment, right? How do you do that? Boundaries and a closed office door. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say that sometimes I feel like work-life balance is kind of a, bog a bogus idea. Yeah. Um, I feel like there's just times and seasons where one needs more than the other. Yeah. And that's just got to be okay. I think sometimes we have this myth that there's always going to be or we, we're out of balance and we can somehow bring it back in when really, if we really look at the situations and, and, and look at them from an outside perspective, bird's eye view, you can say, oh, there's not always things are going to be in perfect balance. But if we look at seasons, I have Q4 season when it's very busy during the last part of the year when most people are spending tons on the holidays and we have to have more inventory and things like that. So things just having a... a realistic expectations about ebb and flow um, when it comes to that. But um, I used to be a workaholic. I say I'm recovering, um, but still in process <laughs> um, because I love my work. I really do enjoy what I'm doing. So when most people are like, oh, I'm going to sit down and watch this movie for two and a half hours. I'm like, I'm going to sit down and research this next product. Why? Because that's what I enjoy doing and I like it. So there, there's got to be a balance there. But I think the most important thing is really setting those boundaries. I have an office. I have a, a sign on it. I have a closed door. I have um, ones where we have specific office hours. Anything after that, I have to really sit down and contemplate, is is this 911 enough to not wait till tomorrow? Even though the office door is right here, is this 911 enough or am I avoiding something else or do I really want to do this? And so just making sure you understand that not everything's 911. Most things can wait till tomorrow. And would you ask yourself, this is the main question that I always get from mompreneurs too. It's like, if, is this something that if you worked from somewhere, if you worked outside the home, would you get in your car, go back to your office and do this thing right now? Is it that important? Because if you wouldn't do, do that, drive 20, 30 minutes to an office to go take care of whatever it is, then you shouldn't do it now during family time. Yeah. So it's just kind of having That's a little good. bit of those boundaries yeah. and, and sticking with them, I think really helps. Awesome. Okay. Um, and so looking ahead, what are your sort of goals and aspirations and where do you see yourself uh, taking this over the next 10 years, say? Oh, that's the worst question in the world for me. I'm like, I'm like the next step question. I'm still going to answer you, but I, I like the next, like, what's my next step? What am I working on right now? Um, as a matter of fact, the funny thing that you say that is that I'm, I'm working towards a transition in my business. After being in e-commerce for 20 years, I am passing the torch a little bit in the e-commerce space and want to work more with entrepreneurial in general. I think a lot of people go through transition or they go through, they want to start a business. They don't know what, and they don't know what kind. And so they just jump into like three or four different things before they actually realize and talk to someone about their real true skill set and what they have to offer and what they're good at. Um, and I would love to prevent prevent a lot of those expensive and timely mistakes of people saying, oh, I'm going to try this first. I'm going to try this first and really have them look inward to say, what do I really want to do? How do I want to impact the world? What kind of skills do I have to bring to the table? And what would be the best fit business-wise for me? Um, 
I've often called I've been often called the the business therapist, which unfortunately, unless you're a real therapist, you can't use that as like a a, a term terminology to, to label yourself. Um, but I've also been, I've been called that a time or two. And if there was a career in that that field, that would definitely be something I'm leaning into. Awesome. And where can people learn about your podcast and your other supporting services that you offer and uh, learn more about you and get in contact with you? Sure. So mommyincome.com, we're that everywhere, including LinkedIn and Facebook, the Amazon Files podcast, uh, Mommy Income YouTube channel. We are just Mommy Income on all the socials and, and the dot com. So anything you guys want to know there about me, um, there's that. And also, I do have a book. I did wrote a book. It's called Dream Big, Step Small. Uh, that's available on Amazon, Audible, wherever else, and uh, digitally, audibly, and all that. So That's amazing. All right. Well, thank you, Kristen, for sharing your incredible journey with us today. It's been uh really exciting hearing about your story and uh you've brought up a lot of interesting things that i'm going to be thinking about after the episode so that's awesome so thanks again for being here thank you so much for having me you're welcome thank you for tuning in to another insightful episode of the profit powerhouse podcast your support and engagement means the world to us if you're brimming with expertise and eager to join us navigate to my website at glenpoolis.com forward slash podcast and go to the be a guest section to connect with us don't keep this information to yourself please share this podcast on your favorite social media platforms to empower your network with the strategies and wisdom you've gained your feedback fuels our growth please take a moment to rate and review the profit powerhouse podcast wherever you listen your input helps us to continually refine our content to serve you better remember our mission is your success We've committed to providing you with the tools and insights to drive your business forward, and we're excited to have you on this journey with us. To stay up to date on the latest episodes, hit the subscribe button, and let's stay connected. Reach out to me on social media and continue the conversation and stay inspired. For resources and information, visit my website at glenpoolis.com. And before we sign off, remember, I'm Glenn Poulos, and reminding you that your potential as a business leader is limitless. Thank you for being a part of this podcast where your success story begins.